0: This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is
1: Rodmore Taylor, aka the Penguin from and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live.
2: What's going on, everybody? This is Chris at Geek Vibes Live and Two Side Review. We are at it again this week, guys, with another top ten. This week, we'll be discussing top 10 comic book movie castings. I'm very excited for this this film. Jesus, there goes the glitch, Leo. Anyway, I'm very excited for this episode. And with me, as always, we have from GVNations.com writer Tia. How are you, Tia?
1: I'm doing great. Good morning, Chris.
2: Good morning. Good to have you on. And we have uh, our special guest, my friend, Leo Rydell. Leo, how are you? Hey, what's up, Chris? How you doing, man? <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning, Leo. Thanks for joining us this morning. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. Um, it'll be exciting to talk some uh, comic book castings. Um, I definitely think we've had, um, especially recently, a slew of new characters that we can talk about. And we also have some people on the way out, so it'll be interesting to chat about that a little bit because I'm sure some of the people who are, you know, on their way out will be
2: on this list. Yeah, definitely. And just so, you know, um, we have decided to open the door up to the Netflix Marvel series um, actors and characters as well to add to this list to kind of give it a little bit more um, pop because we all agree that um, in certain episodes and certain shows uh, are are just crushing it and the talent's there, so we, we want to recognize that as well. But let's get this party started. And as always, Tia, you've got number 10, ladies first. It sounds like somebody's microwaving something. I can hear that in the background. Um, but, uh, sorry.
1: Uh, sorry. That's not It's me. all good.
2: I, I just woke Leo up, by the way, guys, and I was like, hey, man, you got to do the show or I'm going to, like, jump off a bridge. And he's like, dude, I'm calling in if that's the way it's going to be. So he's probably microwaving himself a breakfast burrito of some kind. But we'll get to Leo in just a little bit. But, Tia, let's light this candle. What do you got at number 10?
1: Really quick, I just wanted to say I was literally running up from Dunkin' Donuts five minutes before the show started. I was like, I have to get on, but I have to have my breakfast. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) breakfast of champions, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, But anyway, Starting the show at number ten, I just really want to talk about it because no matter how many years go by, no matter how many renditions we get of the character, um, to me there is no better as Heath Ledger as the Joker in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Um, I I forget how old I was at that point when that movie came out, but I was already a Heath Ledger fan. But if we remember, Heath Ledger was really only known for doing those kind of, you know, teen movies, he was in 10 Things I Hate About You, he was in A Knight's Tale, so as much as I really liked Heath Ledger, I really didn't feel like he had the capability of becoming someone like the Joker, and I'll be honest in saying that, when I first heard of the casting, I was like, no way, I mean, again, love Heath Ledger, but are they really going to be able to pull this off, and Of course, when he passed away, it was really tragic. And when I saw uh, The Dark Knight in the theaters, I couldn't believe that that was even the same guy that we got in all those other films. And I mean, it really showed the dedication that this actor put into becoming this character. I mean, honestly, and it's, a character that we kind of always go back to when we talk about the Joker. I remember not too long ago, me and Kevin, another writer from Geek 5 Nation, were kind of collabing on an on a article about Jared Leto as the Joker, and one of our associates, Kanan, was like, well, make sure you don't compare it to Heath Ledger, because whenever you get someone who now is doing the Joker, you can't help but say, but yeah, is it to the caliber that Heath Ledger is coming out, and I mean, I can just, to this day, I can watch The Dark Knight and still get chills when we first meet the Joker, and he first uh, pulls off that mask, and he says, I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger, and I mean, it is just, I can continuously talk about how amazing I think he is in that film, um, and even now that we have Joaquin Phoenix coming in as the Joker, we still make comparisons. Oh, you know, his look is kind of like a cross between Cesar Romero and Heath Ledger's Joker because it, it's just we can still admit all these years later that he was just a fantastic rendition of the character. And so at number 10, Heath Ledger, the Joker, the Dark Knight.
2: He it it's very hard to argue against him being on this list at all everything <laughs> you said is 100 percent is 100 percent perfect and to kind of geek out on the the production side of, of of nolan and getting into you know just what he sees in his actors when he casts he's just really good at understanding what characters are and what he wants from the character and then finding that actor that fits it and sometimes it you know a repeated actor because he constantly uses a few. But every once in a while, he finds somebody like Christian Bale and Heath Ledger who's like, what, do you want them to play these characters? And he's like, wait, wait, wait just wait for it because I'll show you what I'm going to do with it. And I fucking love that. As a filmmaker myself, um, I, I, I look for that in my projects and I look for that when I cast somebody. I try to see something that maybe somebody else doesn't or see them in a different light. Like if they constantly play this role, I'm like, no, nope, I want you to come over here and play this role. And it lights up an actor. They love to play. They love to get into a character. They love, to get their, they love direction. So they love a director who's on point and knows exactly what they want. And they, they love that rapport. And I think Nolan does a great job with that. And he saw something, in Heath. you're, you're exactly right. Um, uh, it was in 2008, I think, when The Dark Knight came out. And I remember going to the theater, and the back of my – I didn't touch the back of the seat. I was up and I was in, in enamored with it from the from the get go and his introductions of his villains and his characters in his films are great. You're right. When he pulls the mask off. Because you know something's up like right right away, right? But you're like, what in the hell is going on? It was just a great way to to open that that second installment into um the franchise. Um but I would argue that he should be a little higher on this list. But I'm gonna I, real I quick agree.
1: I agree. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it's one of the things I probably don't play by the rules of the top ten, Chris. I just want to talk about the characters. So I'm like, I'm just gonna throw it in right away. So, but yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. he belongs definitely further uh, up on this list.
2: And I kind of look at the list, and you're right, as is a sliding scale. This is, you know, if you're on the list, that means you you you're good, you're great. And who's number one, who's number ten? That's always debatable. I always want to kind of, especially a yes, as a crew kind of leave us open to debate. I love the fact that, you know, it's not black and white. There's a ton of gray there, and all these pieces can move around, and the audience can, you know, um, spark up a debate with us, and the listeners, they can, they can agree or disagree with us. I just want to – it's all for fun. It's all healthy debate. And, yeah, I do. I break the rules sometimes, and I throw one in there just because I want it on the list, and I want to talk about it. So there's nothing wrong with that. But, Leo, I want to quickly, if you can put down your breakfast burrito, um, and give us a quick little uh, – little rebuttal cuz i know i know you love Heath Feather's joker first of all <clears throat>
0: it's a cup of coffee um not a bur- okay. burrito <laughs> watching my carbs good sir uh but i will say this um i'm going to go ahead and be that guy and say um yes hell yeah uh i i i'll, I'll say this though i compare a lot of my jokers to <clears throat> Hamill in the animated depiction because that's just kind of what I grew up with. Um, but when I consider, like, all Joker actors, like, the best one to me is definitely Heath's. Um, he put his own spin on it, I think. Uh, I, especially when I think Joker's, when I think especially old-school Joker, I think lots of laughs, lots of actual jokes. Um, but what he brought to the character was very important, um, and that's, like, some actual actual tinges of anarchy in, like darkness like he brought a very realistic um tinge to the character and i really appreciated that and believe it or not dark knight is actually not his final movie it's uh the 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 ventures of planetarium or something the like that ben-
2: but the no, um, Doctor, i can't
0: remember but the imaginarium
2: but, um, of dr finnarsius
0: yeah yeah where the character keeps on like changing but um, yeah, fantastic when, performance. Yeah. I mean, beginning to end, this guy was just freaking awesome—a a evil genius, a creep, a psycho—and you're right, Tia. You, I did not, I did not expect this from um, Heath Ledger. Like when I first heard of the news, I was just like, "What?" We kind of got like <laughs> a goofy clownish kind of guy. I mean, we got the guy from Brokeback Mountain. I don't, I, I just, I don't know. Like I thought he was gonna just get up there and kind of fart but he did a damn good job, and excuse me, guys, I'll have better answers when I wake up a little bit, but it is a hard yes for me, yes, yes, yes.
2: Yeah, uh, Leo, man, I totally agree, and I was with you, like, oh, shit, this guy's going to be the Joker? I don't know, man. And then when we first saw those, the first images, I was like, fuck, we we're, we're, t- we're totally getting something we we may not we may have never seen before and um, when you know all the buzz and his unfortunate passing, um, it's yeah because I'm like really the
0: the patriot,
2: <laughs> right? And you know I, mean, I love the patriot. It's a, it's, a, it's a brother's I know. And then I think you said, was he was in not fifty not fifty first days, but he was in that teen movie. What was that called, Tia? Um, um, 10, 10 things, things I Hate I About hate
1: You. Hate About, yeah. And
2: you know who was in that? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who obviously came who? back in the third movie, um, to play in the Batman universe Nolan was setting up, so that's kind of, kind of weird that those two actors were in that movie, but they were in separate movies of the same trilogy, not together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's kind of neat. But, you know, um... I have a soft spot for that, for that film because it came out in, you know, when I was a teenager, but um, I, I, I was, you know, you know, blown away. And um, I, get, I get on this topic a lot, guys, and I really quickly want to ask your opinions. Do you think, and, you know, just bear with me now, do you think we would have cared so much about his performance if he hadn't unfortunately passed away, Tia?
1: Um, I still think we would have cared about. Would he have won an Oscar? I don't know. I think he absolutely would deserve the Oscar, but as you can see, the Oscars have a trend of not wanting to give people who are in superhero movies the awards because who knows why? Even though we're still given fantastic performances, so would he have won the Oscar if he hadn't passed away? I'm not sure. I think he deserved it. Um, I, I, regardless, I think if and you know we could sit here and say the shoulda, woulda, coulda. I think we still would be praising him up and down if he, you know, hadn't passed away, Um, and I think we would have been begging for another uh, another movie with him as the Joker in it if he hadn't passed away.
0: Oh man! Yeah. Uh, um, Tom Hardy's Bane and um, Heath Ledger's Joker working together against fucking Batman. Oh Oh, my God!
1: And the fact that. Oh, Leo. Prison. The fact that they, we escaped the prison and we got, you know, Scarecrow, we got Cillian Murphy's Scarecrow in all three movies. I mean, can you imagine Bane releasing everyone? We definitely would have gotten the Joker involved in all of that.
0: Yeah. Damn, that would have been cool. I think he still would have got the same amount of respect. Um, I think he would have got a lot of praise from the comic book community. I. I just don't know if without a death he would have gotten necessarily as much praise from the casual moviegoers. He would have still got praise, I think. But I think, unfortunately, I do think the death has a little to do with the praise from the casual audience. Yeah, I, I
2: kind of agree. I, I think that um, it may not have been as public as, as public publicized, as publicized as it was. Um, But I think his performance definitely would have still had the same buzz. I think people would have been, you know, turning their eye and and paying closer attention to not just comic book films, but, you know, the range that Heath Ledger really had as an actor. I think that showcases his talent. Um, But I think, guys, honestly, we could go on and on about the late, great Heath Ledger and his performances, but um, – Let's move on to a number nine pick, and I guess I'm coming at it at number nine. And I guess to kind of keep the trend alive, this is actually my number nine pick for real, and that's um, Michael Keaton's Batman and um, Tim Burton's Uh, 89. Um, Now, this will probably get a little little bit of criticism, and you you slide them where you want to, but for me, um, this changed um, everything uh, for me. Uh, Say what you want about his portrayal of Bruce Wayne, but... Digging into the character and what Tim was trying to portray, he wanted to make a, a more vulnerable Bruce who wasn't really comfortable in his Bruce Wayne skin. He was really comfortable in being Batman because in a Tim Burton movie, he was Batman. Bruce Wayne was his mask. They played on it with, you know, the Joel Schumacher when he came in and, and took a shit all over it. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. and. So I, I, I dig the character what he was trying to do and um, but for he was another controversial casting decision at the time guys the, if the internet was around when they announced Michael Keaton to play Batman it would have fucking broke because it, it, it almost it, it was so like negative you know death threats were sent to him and the studio and and people were just outraged because he had just done a film you know Mr Mom I don't know if you guys know this he's a comedic actor. He wasn't known for doing anything dramatic at all. but Tim Burton saw something in him uh, in his performance and his face, and he thought the, the cow, the Batman, you know, the, the look would look great on him and that he would he'd be able to raise the bar um, because when you, when you get to know Michael Keaton as an actor and you listen to these interviews after the fact, you find out how dedicated he actually was um, to his craft. So, um, it, but it also opened doors for him and um, the rest of the world to see his true talents. A lot like Heath Ledger. So, uh, on my, he's on my list. And and for those, you know, for those reasons, you know, the fact that he portrayed a Bruce Wayne that many many people didn't really like, but he was vulnerable and kind of uncomfortable and awkward and shy. But he was, you know, his own. He was in his own when he was in the suit, in the cowl, and playing Batman it's um, it it's it just um, it changed the genre it changed um for me personally it changed everything um my you know my life path really kind of made me want to make movies and, and be a part of that stuff so um I can go on forever but i'm gonna I'm gonna say Michael Keaton number nine um mm. 89 Batman I throw him in there for Batman Returns too uh, I just i don't know there's just something cool about his Batman that I really like it, it may not be my favorite. Um, we might get to that later, but uh, definitely I think um, because of everything I just said, he deserves to be on this list. But I'll throw it over to Tia real quick for a quick rebuttal. How do you feel about that?
1: Um, I wouldn't say, like as you said, Chris, that he's my favorite Batman. Uh, that being said, I, I do love Michael Keaton. I mean, he's the guy who brought us Beetlejuice. He was fantastic in Spider-Man Homecoming as uh, the Vulture. Um, I, You know what? <laughs> I, this is going to sound really bad, but it's been so long since I've seen Michael Keaton's Batman. I can't really give, like, a definitive, constructive criticism of it. Um, you know, I, I can't remember... Him being bad at it, I'll say that I didn't really like uh, George Clooney as Batman. But um, oh, as far God. as you know, my, <laughs> you know, as far as Michael Keaton, as you said, that at the time that was a very, um, you know, that would have probably been a controversial uh, casting if we had the internet the way we have it now. People would probably be like, "What the hell?" Similar kind of to Heath Ledger. I mean, we all. We're like, what the hell is he being, you know, why is he being cast as a Joker? Just similar in the style of Michael Keenan. You know, he's doing Mr. Mom, and then next thing you know, he's in freaking Batman. Um, So, you know, that being said, I'll, I'll back up your your decision on this. Just, to, you know, as a Batman, I think he was definitely a good Batman. Was he the best Batman? I don't believe so, but I definitely think that, you know, We've had a lot worse Batman's, and I like the actor, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back up your play here.
2: Yeah, um, it's just it's just you know, like I say, it's a controversial pick, but you know, there's just something that sticks out. Um, I love his um, demeanor when he's on; his presence is pretty good, um, you know, and that's a testament, like I said, to um, the filmmaker uh, Tim Burton. Seeing something you know what I mean and he was young and he was you know I think that those that, those those films were Tim Burton me personally at his best because I, I really feel like um he was eager to do those films more so than he is I think and then because he kind of trailed off and went really for style over substance um later on in, in his career um so Leo how do you feel about um you know, as I get off into a rant about Tim Burton. How do you feel about number nine uh, as Michael Keaton Batman?
0: I just want to say, if my parents are listening, I love y'all so much, but y'all bought me the, first, the wrong first Batman movie. Um, Batman and Robin was actually the first Batman movie I saw. And good fucking Ooh, Lord, even as a child, nice. I hated that fucking movie. Um, I was like, this is a terrible looking Batman. Nothing I ever would have imagined after reading The Dark Knight, Knight Returns. Um, and just the clownish, uh, Robin and, oh man, I don't even want to get into Mr. Freeze and all that. Like that's a conversation for another day. However, my dad was like, all right, let me show you something even better. And that was that Michael Keaton Batman, that 1989 Tim Burton, um, Michael Keaton Batman movie and man. I loved Keaton as Batman. I'm not even going to lie, man. Like, Keaton as Batman is ties up for me with Christian Bale for first. Um, I thought he gave a great performance as Batman, even in um, Batman Returns, which some people arguably say is a much worse movie, but I think it's pretty fun. Um, and I'll, I'll agree with Tia. Like It's kind of hard to really remember. I need to go back and watch both of those films. Um, just to get a nice fresh take, but I just remember as a child like loving that Batman a lot more than Clooney's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's um I don't think that's hard, but uh, yeah, I thought he was a good Batman. Um, I can't seriously testify though because it has been a bad long time since I've went back and watched that. He was the Batman um, up until Christian Bale came along. Because let, let's be real here, guys. Was that Clooney one even worth considering being a Batman movie? <laughs> and the Val Kilmer one was, was good, but it just wasn't that hey, Val, cute. And that Val looked
2: pretty damn good in the suit, though. I'll say Val looked pretty
0: good suit. I'll give him that, but it wasn't... I, I think I like Jim Carrey more than I did uh, yeah. Val Kilmer. Um, um, definitely. Carrey, but, Carrey stole the show. That Riddler, bro, that was hilarious. Um, but but yeah, I'm gonna have to say definite yes. Um, I might even scale him a couple points higher, to be honest with you. Uh, I agree to you. He did a fabulous job as Vulture um, in Spider Man Homecoming. I was almost a little more interested in him than, than Peter <laughs> in, a, in a couple ways. Uh, Don't but, forget Birdman.
1: Oh, Do you know yeah, I've never seen man. that? Like still to Do this you day. Seen that? Ha-
2: bird? oh Tia, I- Tia, you have homework.
1: <laughs> I know, and I have the D- <laughs> like. Believe it or not, I have the DVD still in like its saran wrap because I had bought it with all the intentions of actually watching it because I was like, "Wow, this looks awesome," and I, I still can't mm-hmm. say hasn't like even like opened it up.
2: <laughs> it it. Man, that film just showcases you and Michael Keaton's talent, and uh, that movie is, is shot in, a, in, in such a different way. It's stylistically great. The story is awesome. The characters are great. The acting is um, phenomenal. Uh, I, I recommend that highly, man. You should check it out. Um,
0: all right, hey, guys, yo, if you're just tuning talk in with about Jack Nicholson's Joker a little bit? Like, hey, that, that we'll shit. get having to... him side by side <laughs> with uh, Keaton. My we, bad, my we, bad. I'm done. No, you're
2: right. We'll, I think we'll get to him. He's definitely on my list. I don't know where you have him on yours. But um, just to recap real quick, guys, we're talking about um, our top ten picks for comic book film castings. Um, we've also opened the the door to the Marvel Netflix series um, actors and characters as well. But to uh, recap real quick, we're at number ten is Heath Ledger's Joker. And at number nine, we have Michael Keaton's Batman 89. And we're going on to our number 8 pick, and we're shooting
0: that off to Leo. Leo, what do you got for us at number 8? All right, so this is another character that I'm thinking should be a lot higher, but I'm just going to toss him out now just to get him on the list. And since we brought the Marvel Netflix in, I'm going to put Vincent D'Onofrio on Uh, as the Penguin. Holy smokes. Um, Talk about a character that is just as not, if not more important than the main character. Um, and who, through a three-season arc, three seasons, which is very rare for a villain stick stick around in Marvel, we see finally like rise to the top and actually become his comic book counterpart, the kingpin, and have complete control of the city, and and just look so menacing and and crazy in a white suit. And <laughs> ah, man, I could just I could go on and on about how great he is, but I just want to kind of scale it back and talk about some of the attributes he brings to the table like he he's menacing he's just he's the kingpin that we all wanted um he starts out in in the first season kind of having some control and we see how he takes that same control and spreads it throughout the prison and eventually to the whole city in season three it's just great to see an arc of character like that and not to mention just the many scenes that he he portrays himself as a complete psycho i mean the door shutting scene in season one um, that big epic grand fight in season three at the very end where oh. him, Daredevil and um, Bullseye are fighting each other in like this three-way manner. Oh my God, that, that was ultimate. But I mean, this guy just, he has, he has the, um, the demeanor of like control and being on top of everything and having all the money that he needs and just having all these guys, like he just, he has that control. He has that demeanor of menacing and, and on top, and just almost stoic in demeanor, um, but he can, but he also is, is easy to show that he can, he can lose it, and he's not afraid to, uh, he's not afraid to silence anybody that needs to be silenced, I think it was, it was season three where the guy told him some bad news, and he just killed him, (laughs) right in the seat, um, I I just I could go on and on about how amazing Vincent D- D'Onofrio is as the penguin, but I want to share the love. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put him at number eight.
2: Tio, Tio, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Leo, I apologize. I was reading as you were talking because I was trying to look up um, his acting credits. my fault. Leo, I agree with you, man. I love Vincent D'Onofrio, by the way. Vincent D'Onofrio
1: <laughs> as
2: <laughs> – as the kingpin is amazing. Um, you're right. Giving him a three-season character arc is is just, um, you know, it's awesome. It's, um, it, it just proves that
0: – I'm sorry? I said it's pretty yeah. ballsy on Marvel's part. I don't think they really did anything like that with any of their characters besides Loki.
2: Um, at the end, maybe in Jessica Jones with um, Kilgrave, sort of. Wasn't he in One, season he two like a artist. manifest? Oh yeah, oh yeah, you're you're definitely right. Yeah, I don't think anyone's got that except you know maybe Thanos, because uh, Thanos, uh, Thanos, more like Loki. You're right, but anyway, I, I agree with you, Vincent. I've been on his radar ever since I saw. <laughs> um, oh my God, I can't think of the the film he was in when he. <laughs> played that crazy soldier. It's a full metal jacket. Vincent Monofio's uh, acting chops yeah. are all over the place. Um, he's a great talent. Um, he's been in a lot of great, great films. Um, and he just crushes it as the kingpin. And seeing his rise and where he comes And that fight, you're right, Leo. Oh, my God, that fight. And when they're screaming at each other, that is amazing. Like, ah. Uh, I don't want to get into spoilers, but, like, geez, you should have if, – if you're a geek, you already finished the series probably long before now anyway. But um, it's just phenomenal. It just oozes his character, the, 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 the talent on that show, the writing, the direction that they have for it. The, it's definitely planned out. You can feel the love it's behind flawless. it, guys. Yeah, it is. It's pretty darn flawless. Um, I agree. But, Tia, I know you're chomping at the bit. I know you love <laughs> um, Daredevil and, and that, all that stuff too. So how do you feel – with um Wilskin Wilskin fisk yeah there you go wilson fisk <laughs> the kingpin at number eight
1: i'm gonna say first of all that <clears throat> i believe that vincent d'onofrio is probably this gen- one of this generation's like best actors and He is just it, look at his filmography he is an absolute powerhouse um and you know in season one, we got him, we did, you know, and then even when he appeared in season two for a little bit, it's like, wow, we really got to see like just how he gets into every situation and is able to like take control of it. I won't lie when they did, um, and you know, I'll be honest here. I'm, I'm not a comic book reader. I know that sounds crazy because I love all this, like, you know, the movies, the TV shows, and I know stuff from the okay. comics, but that's from, like, research. I don't, like, actually have, like, comic books and read them, which I know is probably yeah. sounds like a major faux pas. I think you just faux, gave anyway. Leo a seizure. I'm sorry. But, you know, I know that Kingpin's, like, whole thing is, like, you know, his look is the white jacket, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm going to the point that when they were doing the promos for Daredevil Season 3 and I saw Vincent D'Onofrio in that goddamn white jacket, I was like, holy shit. I, like, I freaked the fuck out. I was like, I don't know why it just looked so good that we got him in a comic book, like, you know, look. Him there just seeing how he manipulated his way from episode one to all the way to the end where, as you said, him and Daredevil, they're, like, screaming at each other. And if you ask any of the actors, and this is not me trying to, like, you know, plug myself or anything, but I just spoke with Jay Ali the other day, um, who played uh, Andre Nadim. Plug uh, no, go ahead. that. I'm only it's, saying it's awesome. because... Because he was talking about Vincent D'Onofrio and how, you know, Vincent was really pushing him, you know, not, like, even intentionally, just, like, acting with him, pushing him to, like, just be his best self. And you hear that with every actor who is with Vincent D'Onofrio. They say the same thing, that he's just that good, that they want to be just as good being in the same scene with him. So, yes, Leo, fantastic fix as Vincent D'Onofrio, as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, in the Daredevil series. Holy shit.
0: Oh, Tia. Guys, um, if you haven't, check out Born Again, sorry, yeah. uh, the Daredevil run. It's, it's loosely based off of that, and that is probably Daredevil's, like, best comic. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-huh. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, it is, yeah. A- I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I- I'll stop. Sorry, Chris. Back to you, man.
2: No, it's all good, brother. Um, but if you guys, if you haven't checked out that interview, go to um, gvnation.com, um, scroll down, it's there. Go ahead and check out that interview. That's, it's, it's amazing. It's eye-opening. And what you said, Tia, and uh, about raising the bar on set with these actors, um, it, it, that is you know, a, a story that's old as time when it comes to great cinema. Go, go check out all the movies that you guys like and the critics like and listen to the behind-the-scenes and the interviews and talk about the actors working with each other. That's some kind of movie magic shit right there. And I, I hate to sound corny, but I get excited when I watch shit like that because I've been on sets and I've seen that shit and it's contagious and it's awesome. It makes you a better person. It makes you want to be a better person, uh, a better actor necessarily a better person, but it, it, that too. But it, it, it raises everyone's bar around you. And if you see that happening, that domino effect on set, it's it's awesome. It's like a, uh, filmmaker's dream to work with that kind of talent, and um, you know, you just got to give it up for the Marvel series. Man, they're just—they're—they're they're crushing it in, in certain spots. You know, it's—it's. It's, I think they—they they outstretched their their imagination a little bit with, with, with um, how they wanted to proceed with their universe or whatever they're creating. But Leo, I think you're you're dead on by putting um, Vincent D'Onofrio at number eight on this list.
0: week. Um, I far as a say, <laughs> best uh, television show villain um, in the Marvel series by far. Like, by far.
2: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. All right, Tia, so I guess we're coming back. Yeah, we're coming back to you for our number seven pick. So, what do you got uh, for us at number seven?
1: Awesome. So, um, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to touch upon someone that we briefly mentioned maybe like five seconds ago. I'm going to pick uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, um, as my pick, just because we can't talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe without talking about the villains who essentially started it all, not just that, but um, not just in that case, but uh, similar to Heath Ledger, we always compare um, these villains to Loki and kind of to give you guys a little background because I thought this was super interesting um Tom Hiddleston himself actually auditioned for the role of Thor when he first came in because I don't know if you guys know he's a blonde in real life you know he bulked up a little for his uh audition because he was like oh I'll be Thor and when he got there they're like you know what we're really looking at this other guy who would later go on to be Chris Hemsworth as Thor but why don't you read for the part of Loki, and since then, I mean, really, if we look and you know, I kind of took a hard look back at the first Avengers movie, right? I I turned it on and I was like, what made this movie so likable, you know, when it first came out? And it really is Loki's performance, um, you know, in the in the Thor movies, other than Thor Ragnarok, which I love. But to me, the most interesting character in the first two Thor movies was Loki. His presence, um, the fact that he really brought this like tangible uh, personality to the screen in the first Thor, when he discovers that he is not an Asgardian, that his you know father Odin lied to him the emotions there and yes he is a little bit of a mischievous bastard because of what he does before but you really just the way that he brings this like mischievousness to him and how he seems to always be able to manipulate the situation in his favor just really is a fantastic um quality and I think that Tom Hiddleston portrays him beautifully And the fact that, you know, we got this really tragic end to him in uh, Infinity War. And I think that was just, you know, the reason why we kept on with Tom Hiddleston is because of the actor himself. Um, Not to throw another little, like, fun fact in there, but when Loki was killed in The Dark World, that was supposed to be the end of Loki. But because it was uh, so negative with, you know critics and shit is why they went back in and filmed that no, he's not really dead. He's alive. And that was all a trip is because they just didn't want to get rid of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. So that is my number seven pick.
2: Um, once again, see a great pick, hard pressed to disagree with you on this one. Um, I didn't know that about him coming in um, auditioning for Thor. Um, that's happened a few times in, in, in film and cinema where, um, you come in for one role, like Killian Murphy w- came in to play Bruce Wayne and even screen tested, but then they offered him the part of scarecrow. Um, so that, that kind of stuff happens. I, I didn't know that, but yeah, he's a very popular character. He's getting his own, um, series on their Disney streaming service. Um,
1: that's right. A
2: Loki, a Loki series. Um, cause everything you said is, is, is spun on. He, he, he's a great actor. Uh, he brings a lot to the character. Um, they know how to write him, and the fans love him. Uh, like I said, hard-pressed to to, to disagree. And, oh, man, I had something to say, but I got off topic in my head a little bit, so <laughs> I can't remember it. But, but um, yeah, I love that pick. Um, Leo, how do you feel about Tom Hiddleston as Loki at our number seven pick?
0: Oh man, so when uh <clears throat> after when the first Thor movie came out, I really 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 liked it um when it first came out. Looking back now, it's good, but it's not as great, not nearly as great as Ragnarok. Um and after I seen that, one of my buddies, um shout out to you Axel, thanks buddy. Uh let me borrow a stack of um of Thor comics, Mighty Thor comics. And so I read through that stack of them and I just saw that this character that Tom Hiddleston plays in the movie is almost exactly like the comic book version of Loki. Always popping up in random places, always causing mischief wherever he goes, um, always just kind of fucking with Thor and always trying to either kill him or throw him off course. Like, What a great, great adaption of the character they have in the MCU. And not to mention Tom Hiddleston is just like, so convincingly evil especially in that first avengers like he's ready to just destroy his brother and and his entire team um for the grace good graces of thanos like he's just a trickster and i i love it um and i think nobody but tom hiddleston could play a role like that and i feel so bad about that second movie like i just that second thor movie (laughs) was terrible 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 you don't move Tom Hiddleston to the back. Um, you yes. put him as a more of a main character in the plot mm-hmm. because that was one mistake they made in that movie was by bringing in these dark elves so Loki didn't have as huge of a presence. Big mistake. You got to keep him around. And even when he died in, the, um, in Infinity War, like, I found myself upset. I'm like, no, not not Loki. Like, he's the villain that started it all. And that's another, another reason why he's got, like, such a soft spot in all our hearts. is The villain that started it all, the Avengers. They came together to fight Loki. And, um... What's the name of those creatures, guys? That's slipping my mind. The um, Yeah, the Chitari. Chitari. Yep, thank you. Yep. He. Uh, he that, that was their first threat as a team together. So I think he also has a soft spot in our hearts, because hell, he, he brought the Avengers together. So, Yeah. Fabulous pick. Uh, really enjoy his character, and I enjoy how he is as an actor. I wish that King Kong movie didn't make him such a a weird character, because I thought he had potential in that as well. But that's a that's a discussion
1: for another day.
2: It's funny, I like um, Skull Island.
1: I, I did I too, crazy. but I could see I could see where Leo is coming with that. You know, I think that. When, and as you said, it's a discussion for another time. When they were, like, you know, previewing the movie, I thought that we were going to get a much different character than we ended up getting. But, um, you know, with, the, with the Avengers, you know, the one thing that always kind of bothered me as we go through all these years of Marvel movies, and I just want to throw this in really quick, and this is from me just, you know, seeing an online presence and talking to people, is that when we first see Loki in uh, the first Avengers, he looks fucked up. I mean, you know, he has circles under his eyes, he looks stressed out, like, you know, and that was really never touched upon. I think us as the fans have drawn our own conclusions that obviously, like, he was fucked with under Thanos and the Chitari and that's why, like, you know... He's almost so desperate to get what he needs for Thanos because he knows that Thanos is going to be pissed at him if he does it. But it was never really, like, touched upon, like, why did Loki go from looking very fresh-faced in the first Thor to looking like he had just been abused for a thousand years in the first Avengers? And I think it has a lot
0: to do with what you were saying. Um, I'm sure once he joined forces with Thanos, he probably went through a lot. Um, and Thanos probably had him doing a lot. I don't think it was just go to Earth, you know, and get the Infinity Stone. Like, no, also, this, 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 and this. It could have put him through years of stress. Um, that first Thor, he was in Asgard with Thor. So he looked, you know, like royalty.
1: Yeah, so that was just the one thing I was like, we've never touched upon that, but and that maybe we will in the series on the Disney streaming site. Who knows?
2: You you guys are touching on a a great part of like the character, like what motivates him. And I think when we first meet him, he's just a kind of a you know a dick, but he doesn't mean any harm. He's just you know he thinks he's Asgardian royalty, and he's just fucking around. And then he comes to find out that you know he's a for all intents and purposes adopted and it just shatters his whole mindset and his whole world so to speak and you know you can do you know one of three things with that information and you know speaking from you know i found out i was adopted when i was 11. i chose not to be angry about it (laughs) um some people choose to be pissed off about it and it really it gets to them and they make bad choices and bad decisions and i think that at the core you know, Loki doesn't really want to kill Thor, you know, and he was sad when Odin died and it's like you hate him, but you like him. And when well, and I... his character arcs over the film, um, over their films, uh, it shows you um, all different sides of Loki, um, but, you know, understanding where his motivation comes from for his anger and being mad and to your bones sometimes and not knowing what to do with that anger and lash out on the people that you care about and um, having to reconstruct another world because the one that you thought you were living in is no longer there, it, it fucks with your head. And if you don't handle it well, you become Loki, you know, because he well, already I had those character traits of being a jerk. So it just enhanced them. So I can just relate to the character. They're doing great jobs with the writing and, and Tom takes, you know, great care with, with the character as well. Go ahead, Tia.
1: I'm sorry. Um, I just was saying, you know, I don't even sometimes think that it's really just having found out he was adopted. I think it was that the fact that, you know, Odin was pretty much saying, like, oh, yeah, I took you as, like, almost a peace treaty type thing because you're a child of the race that we're at war with. And as uh, Loki says at some point, I'm the monster that mothers tell their children to hide away at night, you know? And I think that the fact that Loki has always felt different because of the way he looks and... Yada yada yada. And it's like, you know, his life probably would have been a lot better if someone just told him, like, hey, this is why you feel so different. And maybe that's like, you know, that that's my whole thing with it. Oh, you no, know? that
2: you're right. That's definitely part of it as well. You're you're absolutely right. In-
1: yeah, so interesting I'm,
2: character. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> it's a good pick. I like it.
1: Thanks. Nice. Um, <laughs>
2: Real quickly, guys, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are going over our top 10 picks for comic book film casting. Uh, We've also opened the doors for the Marvel Netflix series to join us as well because we feel like there's a lot of great talent and great characters in those shows as well that may not get as much praise as some of these films. But let's recap this real quick, guys. At number 10, we have Heath Ledger's Joker. At number 9, we have Michael Keaton's Batman 89. Number eight, we have Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin Daredevil series. And number seven, we just finished talking about with Tom Hiddleston as Loki in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I guess it's at me for number six pick. And my number six pick is um, probably what everyone thought of as this character until 2013, which is Christopher Reeves' Superman. Um, I definitely... Uh, Theo, he deserves to be on this list um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, for, uh, um, I'll start from, like, I, my picks kind of, guys, come from a production side because I have a – for me, when you when – you, the, loving the film is great, but when you find out uh, the processes to get there and everything and the, and the cultural significance that comes, you know, after all those things and, and the iconicness of it, um, you really appreciate the performances that you saw in the film that you loved anyway. So this is definitely one of those, um, yeah, you can say what you want about it being corny, but it is a product of its own time, but it also revolutionized um, superhero films, the genre um, and, and, you know, moving forward with optical effects and all that stuff. It, it really did change the game in in more ways than one, not just bringing a comic book character to life. Christopher Reeves crushes it as Superman. He is Superman, and, and like I said when I started, he you know, he was Superman um, for a lot of people for a very, very long time, so you can't ignore that. And um, the love and dedication that he brought to the character uh, on screen and off screen was really cool. And originally Christopher Reeves was offered the role, and he confided in his friend um, uh, Robin Williams who actually encouraged him to take on, on that on that role. Um, so um, if you didn't know that, that's kind of cool. Yes, they were very good friends. Um, th- they both unfortunately passed away way too young. Uh, so for me as a kid, that was Superman, uh, and I loved it. I thought he, he, he portrayed the character pretty comic book accurate, um, depending on who was writing it and the era they were in, um, but you, you just, it, like, like I said, from a production side in changing the game with the optical effects and, you know, their tagline in the 70s was you're going to believe a man can fly. And it was mind-blowing, I guess, kind of like Star Wars was with their special effects at the time. It, it changed the game. And I really do think that um, because of all that, um, Christopher Reeve's Superman deserves to be on this list. It could be higher, you know, it could be lower depending on your flavor of Superman. But for a very long time, he was, that iconic he was superman he was superman when you say christopher reeves you say superman you know henry cavill unfortunately i don't think he has that not saying a superman was bad but i just think um there's just certain characters and certain actors who portray those characters that will always be remembered for those characters and some will say that's a crutch but film fans and lovers like me uh, that's their iconic role, and I think he deserves to be on this list. Um, Leo, what do you think about Christopher Reeve's Superman at number six?
0: Oh, man, I'm glad he made it on the list. Um, yes, uh, that was the first Superman movie I saw was actually Superman 2. Um, and I was like, holy crap, Superman is going up against General Zod, and Lex Luthor was crazy oh, yeah. around. So just such a good movie. Um, Again, like you said, somebody who established Superman for you. I mean, the very few Superman comics I did read as a child, like, really influenced kind of how I saw Superman for a long time, which was that kind of, you know, big blue boy scout, the the good guy. Um, and And Christopher Reeve really put that into Superman. And that was only, that was when I saw, initially saw Man of Steel, that was like part of my disappointment was because I am used to that Superman, you know, who's just the do good to do good type of guy. And I didn't see that in Cavill that much. Um, but I just yeah, I mean, no complaints man. I I really love the Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, and he really established that character for me cuz I hadn't read I haven't read that many Superman comics until very recently actually, so it'll be fun to explore the character but I mean, like for you, he just he established that character for me, and that that kind of put a mold on that character um, for me. and really solidified it from his performance.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think I think a lot of people have that that same mindset, which would which kind of made Man of Steel a little too hard to swallow for a few. Um, and at i don't want to you know sound negative yeah at first but a lot of people i don't want really to sound negative but maybe a, lo- a lot of people are 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 closed minded so to speak and i'm not necessarily that closed minded so when it came at me when i watched the film I-, I was able to accept what zack Snyder was trying to do i wasn't trying hey, to compare Hey closed
0: minded yikes
2: uh, i don't mean it in a negative way you know cuz i can be closed minded in certain <laughs> situations just like everybody else but Um, I didn't, I didn't really hold it up. So when I, I don't know why, but I just, I love, I love the tone. I I like that. I love that film for multiple reasons, but anyway, I think that's what made it so hard because you were coming behind Christopher Reeves and his movies. Um, and yeah, Superman too is, is one of my favorites. I constantly go to YouTube and rewatch the fight scene, uh, with Superman. It's just, um, as much as I love Batman and I really, really do, um, I was talking to Leo earlier, like, my yin and yang, and you're you, you were laughing your butt off. But I really think, like, Batman and Superman really complement each other, for me personally. So I kind of have a yeah. little bit of them. I really like the two. But, Tia, go ahead and, I'm um, sorry, come back at us. Uh, how do you feel about the pick at number six?
1: Oh, I think it's a great pick, uh, Chris. I think if we look at all the other Supermans that we've had since um Christopher Reeves, uh Brandon Ruff Roof. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Um but <laughs> Brandon <laughs> uh, Brandon Ruff <laughs> Yeah. That. I'll let you guys do that. Um but Brandon, Henry Covell, even um Uh, The CW version, uh, which I know Chris is such a huge fan of. That actor
2: who plays Superman was on 7th Heaven. And I just, I can't get over the fact that Superman, you know, the guy from 7th Heaven is Superman, but whatever. I know 7th Heaven (laughs) is probably a show most people have not even thought about since 1999. I understand that. But I I had to watch that or I couldn't watch Buffy. It's not funny. Like, my sister... Made me, I had to watch that in order to watch Buffy. I'm not going to explain the dynamics of my household as a child, but it was just what I had to do, okay? Anyway, Tia, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was simply saying, you know, when you look at all these other actors, the one thing that we always kind of revert back to is, are they emulating Christopher Reeves? We don't even ask ourselves, are they looking like the comic book version accurate of Superman? We're like, well, do they look like Christopher Reeves? Because we love Christopher Reeves so much as Superman that we cannot stand the idea of our Superman not looking like him or not being him, as you said, um You know, I think that Brandon visually uh, looked like Christopher Reeves and kind of emulated that whole good guy uh, persona. I personally, and I have many critiques of the DCEU, but um, I actually like Henry Cavill as Superman. But as you said, it was very uh, stark to see, you know, him, Kill someone in Man of Steel because that's not what we're used to when it comes to Superman. Um, so absolutely, I would say that. Chris, how could you not give praise to the man who started essentially the superhero genre on screen? Who gave you know life to the most iconic superhero that probably everyone all over the world knows. So yeah, great pick, Chris.
2: Uh. He is the he is the most popular superhero on the planet. Uh, I think it's Jesus and then Superman, um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, or Jesus or what, or whatever oh, God. Right. You know, you're it's right. like it's it's like that. And then like Leo, remember our conversation when you told me when Superman threw that dude off the window because he found out that he, he was Clark Kent, and he just went one panel just shows him throwing him out the window. Like ah, that's the end of that. Nobody knows who I am. I'm Superman so it's, it's it's funny to see how people like think Superman doesn't kill, and I don't know why people can't understand why you have to kill General Zod in that situation because how would, how else are you supposed to do it like I mean, when to keep him alive, how is that gonna work um and i think I think in order of what Jack was trying to do with him breaking his neck was like, okay, maybe this is like. A point where he goes, I never want to ever have to kill somebody again. I don't ever want to put myself in a position where I have to do what I did. And he's also killing the last known member of his race. So that that was so impactful. Everyone was thinking, Oh, Superman killed somebody. No, I'm thinking about why he had to do it. And that, oh my God, you know, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or whatever you, argument you want to make. It's just so impactful. And when he screams at the end of that, like that un, you know, that ungodly frustration and, and what the hell did I just do? What the hell just happened? Kind of a, a primal scream he gives. It was just bone chilling. It still is. When I talked about it right now, I kind of got chills up my spine. Uh, you know, you make fun of me if you want to, but I, I totally got that, um, that part of Man of Steel, but you're right. Everything, you know, everyone was kind of putting it up against Christopher Reeve's Superman. And I don't think that's very fair for anybody who plays the role. And, and and for um, Christopher Reeves personally. But, Leo, I'll throw it back to you. Any last thoughts on, on number six pick?
0: Um, yeah, I just want to say that he really, that those first two Superman movies, that Superman really established and embodied, like, in truth and freedom for me. Like, that, that Superman movie was, those, those movies were just, like, you know, a hero at his best, if you will. And I really think they're worth going back and watching if you haven't watched them recently, they're really good. Yeah, they, they made you believe that, you know,
2: good and not say that good isn't out there, but somebody just doing the right thing and can't be compromised in it. You just you, just, yeah, you respect them. Exactly. You kinda love that. And you wanna and you know, you I think everybody tries to do good. Like I really do. I think most people aren't aren't evil. They don't wake up and go, I'm gonna do shit today. They're not like fucking Luther. I think most people want to want to do good, it's just life, you know, it just it has a way of um, changing your course. And if you're not strong enough, um, it, m- not just necessarily physically, but if you're not mentally strong enough, and that's something about Superman, he just has this moral code. He doesn't, you know, whoever's writing him, he has whatever code, but you're right. It, you kind of aspire to kind of want to be like him, as corny as that Exactly,
0: sounds. exactly. And, le- and, dude, like, that could have been much higher. I'm not even going to lie, bro. Like, that could have been, like, top three. Top five at
2: least. Yeah, it's in my top five. But like, you know, it's a sliding scale with our with our top ten, so you can take everything with a grain of salt so to speak and where it's placed. I think it's just more important that we're fans of the content and they just make the list like Tia was saying earlier.
0: Very true. But yeah, Leo. True.
2: But yeah, like you said, man, you have the number five pick, my friend. So uh what do you got for us there?
0: Um, Robert Downey Junior. As Iron Man, um, talk about a character that just is, or actor that just is that character like that's that's who he is. He is Iron Man, like Robert Downey Jr. has established a character that is just like him, but is in this Superman fictional world um, and he made it work uh, he, Iron Man is responsible for starting the entire MCU um, and this is all on Robert Downey Jr's back. That first movie was hilarious, and I think when we sometimes think of, like, our top five or top ten um, Marvel movies, we, we leave it out, but it's almost unintentional because you almost kind of kind of forget about it because he's been in so many of them besides his own series that it's like, all right, this character is, has come so far. I mean, it's, it's a character that has had an arc throughout these entire movies, one of the two main, I would say, right next to Chris Evans. Uh That you kind of just kind of put Iron Man One at the back of your mind, but I encourage everybody to go back and rewatch that first Iron Man sometime soon it's really good um it's It's one of the best ones I would say top five in the m c u uh it, again, he just got everything started, he you know even throughout all his errors in life, if you will uh he really just came back with this one, came strong and it was a good – it's it's a great first movie. The second two weren't quite as strong, but he was good in them. It wasn't him. So I just – I think he established this universe, and he definitely deserves a place on this list. Um, and I'm going to put RDJ at number five.
2: Uh, Leo, yeah, um, he's on my top five um, personally, myself. And you're right. A lot of people intentionally forget about um, Iron Man. The original, the you know, the spark that set off the MCU, but um, you know, with like a recurring thing, Leo, with like most of our picks in, in, in especially in the beginning of uh, of the show, um, RDJ was a wild card, and um, the director, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, um, but. He believed in them, you know, and maybe every, you know, not necessarily everybody did, and like, you know, bringing up his background and his like road to redemption and like his second chance kind of a thing. I think Robert Downey Jr. brought John something Favre. incredible. Yeah, J- uh, is it John Favreau? Yeah, John Favreau, right? Am I saying that right? John yeah. Favreau. Anyway. Yeah. yeah Favreau. Anyway. Okay, I looked it up. while you, Oh, I paused. My apologies. But you've got to admire what, what he saw in him. And um, the way they wrote that character, it's almost perfect um, for Robert Downey Jr.'s own personality a little bit to come in there. So I think um, you have to really appreciate that. And he's, he's just crushing it um, in all the Marvel movies that he's in. That character, you know, he's, like I said, with Superman and, like, the, you know, he is Iron Man. You know, when you think about it, who else is Iron Man? And yes, there really hasn't been anybody on the big screen or small that like can even compare to an Iron Man. And we only have this one. But I mean, seriously, um who else could even attempt to play the character? So, um I think yeah, I agree with your pick. Tia, how do you feel about number 5, um Iron uh Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man?
1: Oh, uh, there's no arguing against that. Um I actually did recently rewatch the first Iron Man and it Still held up, uh, even you know after all of the other Marvel movies, it still held up. It was still great. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is just amazing in the little touches that he puts into his character. Um, you know, and John Favreau coming in and really kind of writing more of a comedic uh, spin to the character, and of course that worked perfectly with Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he just with everything. His timing was great is still great um it's hard to think that there's going to be a marvel uh, universe without iron man uh in the writer's room actually recently one of uh my fellow writers shared an article i forget from what site now and literally the title was why iron man is the worst superhero ever and i really want to like smack whoever wrote that article because how you think that Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Iron Man is a bad character, I, I don't understand that. I mean, from what... Because it, it could have been easy for Robert Downey Jr. to just play his character as a narcissistic uh, billionaire, but there's so many ticks to, um, to Tony Stark that I don't even think we realize. Um, if you kind of notice from the Avengers on, he has had a like nervous disorder he gets ptsd that he shows throughout all of the movies that he does afterwards he's a really insecure guy for someone who's a billionaire who you know has women throwing themselves at him he is an incredibly insecure human being and the way that he latched himself on to Spider-Man as much as he doesn't want to admit it at some times, you know, prior to Infinity War. But the way that he laughed himself on and kind of took Peter Parker in as a father-son relationship, I think, really just shows, like, all this to the character. It shows so much from, you know, RDJ himself. I cannot, like, he, he is fantastic. He is Iron Man. It, like, I can compare... RBJ to Iron Man to so many other superheroes and their actors that I won't just because I'm sure some of them are gonna be on this list. <laughs> and I don't wanna jump the gun. But you know, he he's Iron Man. I love it man. That's such a great pick.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with um with the pick and everything you just said. Uh he he's setting the you know, a tone and a precedent. And you're right, he he has. He's a broken guy. He has layers. So and I think you you're right, um, Iron Man does um stand up and I go back to that film quite often actually. I just I love it. It's a fun it's a fun film, it's a fun ride. And those who don't know, I was late coming into the MCU. I didn't Wow. Someone's sirens going off.
1: Oh, anyway, I'm um sorry. <laughs> That's me. Good. That's in the back of me. <laughs>
2: uh <laughs> But I was late to get into the to the Marvel movies because I was a big and I want my characters grounded in reality kind of guy back in, you know, the Ooh. 2010 and on. So when I came and I, and I watched it for the first time, I was like, man, maybe I was wrong. And this was one of those films I was like, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give it a try. And, you know, I'm glad I did because if I didn't, I don't think Infinity War would have had the impact it did on me. Uh, so yeah, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more, guys. I think Robert Downey Jr. at number five, the Iron Man. You know, give or take, you know his position on the list, but he should definitely be on the top ten list. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Leo?
0: Of course, he belongs on the list, bro. Maybe even a notch higher. Right, and, and I was can just we thinking, like that. Also we got. Set...
1: And can we also say that the freaking, like, music in every Iron Man movie is the best? I mean, the fact that they have ACDC pretty much as their, like, personal freaking, you know, it's just amazing. It's so good. I just wanted to throw that in there really quick, too.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. It has has one of the best soundtracks in the MCU. Uh, Ragnarok was pretty good. That soundtrack kicks kicks pretty good. Kicks ass. I listen to that constantly. But you're right. It does set the tone in the character. John. Who would have known? Because like, I don't know if you guys know this, but John Favreau was like that fat, chubby actor for a while. And you know, in those um, what's his faces movies. You know, like uh, I don't know if you guys uh, knew he was an actor or not, but he was in like I don't these like, low-budget Miramax movies he was in. But I didn't know that he had any kind of directorial talent. I can't for the life of me think of any of those movies but um they're cult classics for most people. Um and then he comes out and it's like it's like when I when I found out Danny McBride was attached to the Halloween two thousand eight, I was like, What? Are you kidding me? What the hell? And then I saw the film and I'm like, damn, there's there's just like so many sides to these talented people that, you know, uh I'm kinda it's kinda exciting to see them get to see it. you get to see a different side of some talented people but um didn't want to get too far off track there. What, Wait, what, I'm trying another to think great what pick.
0: movies you're talking about, bro. Um,
2: Just go check, just uh, Google it, Google his uh, like IMDb real quick. I, yeah, Swingers is one of them. Uh, there's another one. Um, He's in those movies with that tall, uh, what's his name? I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head. Vince something.
1: Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn.
2: Vince Vaughn. yeah, he's in a couple Vince Vaughn yeah. movies in, there, like in the 90s or... Oh, or so, yeah, and,
1: yeah, I
2: you know he plays this character, this certain type of guy, and he's great, he's talented. Don't get me wrong, and um, he's also in that sh- um, uh, that uh, movie Chef uh, that Cam he had, you know directed yeah, and, he and wrote was that. Wingers, as well. Well,
0: yeah, I remember these.
2: I remember these. <laughs> um, definitely check him out. But him coming as a director, I didn't, you know, it just kind of threw me off guard. But you know he's talented, um, and we'll see what he's going to do with um, the Mandalorian. That should be kind of interesting over there on the yeah. DC, uh, DC on the uh, Disney streaming service. Uh, yeah, but uh, let's uh, recap, guys. If you're just joining us, we're going over our top 10 comic book movie castings. Um, at number 10, we have Heath Ledger's Joker. At number nine, we have Michael Keaton's Batman 89. Number eight, we have Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin Daredevil. Number seven is Tom Hiddleston Loki in the MCU. Number six, Christopher Reeves' Superman. Uh, I guess you'd say 70s and 80s Superman. Uh, Number five, we have Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And we're going to pass it back over to Tia for her number four pick for our list. Tia, what do you got for us?
1: Well, since we are including the uh, Marvel Netflix people, of course you know that I have to put on the list John Bernthal as Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher. Um, you know, let's that? That. I've let's never heard of that. that in. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just such a no-name actor, honestly. Right. That's a very obscure um,
2: pick. I've never heard you discuss this guy before. No, I'm just I know, you to never you. know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no. no. Um, man, like, what else can we say about John Bernthal that we haven't said a million times before his as I look back, because Daredevil Season 3 was fantastic, right? And, you know, a lot of people put Daredevil Season 2 kind of at the bottom of the list. And I always thought, how did they do that? Daredevil Season 2 was amazing. But as I go back and watch it, I realized the only reason why I thought it was amazing was because of John Bernthal's Punisher. Um, he's just one of those actors that he is also a powerhouse. Um, we kind of tease a little bit. His characters, first of all, always die. and He always has the five-minute cameos and movies, but he always makes the most out of those like five-minute cameos. And within the first episode of the uh, of Daredevil, we have him come in, and he essentially says one one word, and all he's doing is walking around shooting at people. But it still is like this massive presence, and the way that he portrays Frank Castle, because if you look back, when we first see him in the first few episodes of Daredevil Season 2, he is this, you think he's this emotionless, like, unfeeling person because he's sitting there shooting up a hospital. He's butchering people. He pretty much beat a uh, store owner with a baseball bat who, you know, was selling kitty porn. So, I mean, who cares? But... Um, we get this like very stoic person to then see how he's transforming to justify what he does to the tragedy that bestowed his family. And then from that to getting a full on Punisher series to see him interacting with friends, to see his own moral compass and then him to really bring in, uh, in the Punisher series where he's waking up with nightmares he really is just feeling guilty over what happened with his family. Um, it's just a fantastic performance. Like, the little ticks that he makes sure that he pays attention to as he's playing Frank Castle. If you notice, his finger twitches every once in a while. Um, just everything that he does to be Frank Castle. There's, like, no better person to play that character, you know? I mean... And maybe it's not who people thought of at first because we have someone like Dolph Lundgren who has played him in the past who what is like six foot five and John Burkle I think is only about five ten. So but even in that one scene where he's standing up against Vincent D'Onofrio, who I think is like six foot four, six foot five, he looks John Burkle looks massive even though he's clearly shorter than Vincent D'Onofrio and it's just it's the way that he carries himself as Frank Castle I'm so fucking excited for the second season of The Punisher and I really hope if we get a fourth season of Daredevil that we just get him back in even if it's like for a, one episode because man just I could keep going on and on, on like I have nothing bad to say about John Bernthal's performance as The Punisher I think he embodies that character and has brought a different level to that character other than just, you know, the killing machine who wears the skull. He's a person. He has a background. He has all this other shit that just goes into him. He's a good friend. He cares about people the way that he is so protective of Karen, the way he's so protective of Curtis, um, you know, he the way he loved his family and Billy Russo before he turned into an asshole. So, Anyway, I'm gonna keep going on and on and on if no one stops me. So that's my pick is Sean Purnell as the publisher in the Netflix Marvel series.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, another uh, great uh, pick. I, you know, you brought on a, a really good point. Is his layers, uh, Frank Castle's layers. I think the writers are doing a great job with uh, with you know giving his his tragic backstory and, you know, like you said about his twitches, little mannerisms, but the character's got layers and he, John does a great job of bringing those to life and, um, you know, you get a, a wider range of emotions from him when he's acting. He's very physical as an actor, but he's also got, like, presence with his eyes and his mannerisms. Um, and it's, it's really cool because um, um, it's funny, you mentioned it, along, uh, like, in 2002, there was a casting um, for an HBO Project Greenlight series uh, where, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but Ben Affleck and Matt Damon had a contest for, you know, amateur filmmakers. And you submit a script and you're a, you're a director and you win, a con- you win the contest. They give you, uh, I think it was like $100,000 or something like that to make your movie. And they give you, um, they hook you up with Miramax. And, you know, it's, it's a, and then it's like a documented series on HBO. You can watch the episodes. But John Berthal, as a, as a young man, came in in the auditioning room for that when he was unknown and he was auditioning for a character in this horror film that was one of the contest winners. And you, it's funny because I found this out a couple of years ago and I'm like, Hey, that's Shane from the walking dead. And now it's like, no, that's Frank Castle, you know, Shane, <laughs> like, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's been around for a long time. So, um, seeing him, you know, get, get credit. And I, I personally thought they should have cast him in, in the series back in 2002, I think it was it, during the show when I was watching, I'm like, this guy's cool. He had really long hair and it was really wavy and curly. He was, um, it was really cool to see him, but I, I really like the fact that he's, you know, you get to see his talents on display with The Walking Dead and as Frank Castle. So, uh, as a filmmaker, uh, I'm a big fan of him. Um, he brings a great intensity to um, everything he does. He gives it his all, and he's a really good guy. Um, offset, um, I don't know him personally, but I hear I hear good things. Um, I've listened to interviews with him, and I think he's genuine and he's he's sincere. Um, but he plays these really awesome characters, and they're intense. You know, to get in to get his physical body, it's just you know you have to get, admire somebody like that. You know, who's willing to um, go the extra mile. But uh, I'll go, I can go on I guess too, yeah, to, uh, uh, about John. <laughs> but I'll throw it over to to Leo. How do you feel about um, uh, John Bernthal uh, as Frank Castle? at number four
0: um i was gonna vote him in and i was like i'll I'll save him for tia (laughs)
1: Um, everyone knows yeah Yeah, we know know. we're all there we know because
0: i was like gonna vote him in as number five and then i'm like well i'll let tia put him on the list um but wow um fantastic character i mean he just and that's the thing is he can play both sides of the fence like you were saying to you that we do see his backstory we do get to see that this character actually has um a reason for all the killing and he is they they humanize him a lot because in that first punisher film he's just killing off the mafia man i mean that that's it um and that by the way guys i don't know how y'all feel about that film but that film was terrible um, which shots revolting it It was just bad, but um this this version of the Punisher really does humanize him and bring bring some reasons to light of why the character is actually doing all this because we do see him in Daredevil's season two as just bad guy. he's just tearing people down, and once we finally get a little backstory on him you you almost you, you start to feel bad for the guy. I mean, you almost kind of see why he's doing it all uh having your uh family just killed like that, it just it sucks. But I really love how he plays as Punisher and Chris, you're right, I totally thought the same thing at first when I seen him, I was like, Oh, that look, it's shame from the walking dead, holy shit and then now I'm like, No, that's that's Frank Castle. That's that's Mr uh Punisher. And it's just awesome to see him like gunned down so many guys all the time I mean let's be real guys before this show came along you you really didn't get a lot of that it was just like every here and there where you would get just some bloody battered gun fights and shows but they really stepped it up this guy is just phenomenal it's great watching his performance as the Punisher and I can't wait for season 2 to come so yes he belongs on this list yeah
2: Definitely, I could, not, I could not agree more. Guys, it, you know, guys, I was looking at my list, and I was looking at, okay, we got two picks left. Um, uh, two? I thought that uh, was four.
0: A, I think we have three.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my list. Uh, I jump ahead. like So, like, I have my <laughs> pick down. I'm looking. Okay, basically what I'm trying to say is, guys, there's so many more at, talented actors we can put on this list. And I know we're going to be leaving some people out. So, oh, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, you know there could definitely be an honorable mention, like quickfire by the end of this. Uh, so you're right. That was number four, John Bergthal as Frank Castle. I think we all agree that he's just, he's just crushing it. Um, and I think that's coming to me at number three, if I'm correct, um, following, you know, keeping score, so to speak. Uh, and I'm really yep. torn, guys. I'm, um, because I'm not gonna get another chance to talk about it, but I have like five people I can put here, but I'm gonna just do it just just because um, of the of the nostalgia factor. Uh, as much as I love Christian Bale, you guys can bring him up if you want to on your picks, but I'm going to say, well, here's the, here we go, Wesley Snipes as Blade. I think he's another one of those iconic. Characters were like Robert Downey Jr., Christopher Reeve. You think of the character, you think of the actor. And like we said, like you can say that's a negative, you know, or it could be a positive, um, however we, however you look at it, but it's iconic. And I think that when Blade came out, it was at a time where, you know, um, Batman and Robin, you know, just hit the hit the big screen, so to speak, not too long before. And it was really campy and colorful and comic book movies weren't super dark or taken, uh, to another level, so to speak. Um, it, and it was really kind of, um, Mar- I would say, you know, it's one of Marvel's really first, um, uh, entries into the, into the superhero genre, but keeping the tone dark. Um, a lot of people would, if you go back and watch that, Marvel's names on it, but it, it, it really does look like a Zack Snyder universe type of, uh, Feel to it, but I really, the, going back to the character of Blade. I think Wesley Snipes just just kills it. He is he is Blade, and you know yes, there's not a lot of talking, but you got to give the production side a, a look when you when you think about Blade. He did a, he did all of his own stunts for the most part. It was all the actor. Um, he really enjoyed playing the role. I think he looked the part. Um, it was just uh, I remember seeing it as a kid and I was just amazed. It's badass, and you know I really. I loved it, and it, it, the intensity of the character, um, the story was okay, and you can say what you want about the big CGI blood fight scene at the end, but I really thought that um, it just came at a really good time. The Matrix was coming out too. It was a really cool time for movies, and a lot of experimental, I use quotation marks, were coming out, but that character is just as iconic, and say what you want about the third installment of Blade. He, that was not That was not even, I don't know, that was really bad, but... Um, For me, you uh, you know, we're thinking about good casting decisions, you know, so I have to put that in there as that's just a really good casting call. You you think of Blade, you think of Wesley Snipes. I definitely deserve, I definitely deserve, he definitely deserves to be on this list. But, you know, this high, probably not. I could have brought Blade up a little sooner, but I really do think, like I said, you think about Christopher Reeve, you think Superman, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, I think he's one of those guys when you say Blade, you think Wesley Snipes. So I'm going to put him on the list. Um, Tia, how do you feel about Wesley Snipes as Blade at number number three, I think? yeah.
1: All right, so you guys are going to, like, really kill me right now, but I've actually never watched the film. Um, so I do apologize about that. I know that should go on my list. Um, what I'm going to say, though, is that, um, you know, I don't think that Blade gets, at least from what I hear, I don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. Um, it's a dark film, right, for Marvel that really kind of, like, stood out, and when we talk about, you know, we throw in, um, Uh, Deadpool and, like, Logan, and we praise it as being, like, you know, the first R-rated Marvel films, and people always point out, hey, what about Blade, you know? We had Blade, which was violent but dark. As you said, it came out around the Matrix time, and we have an actor of color who is the lead, which, you know, we didn't really see back then, you know, and that why that isn't talked about more so and why that isn't praised more so, I'm not sure. Um, and Wesley Snipes really kind of, we don't really see him anymore. And I think that really, honestly, like his blade should stand to up to other films. And as you said, Wesley Snipes is blade. That he That's a memorable casting for everyone. And even now with the whole, like, Iron Fist and Luke Cage cancellation, people are like, well, if Netflix really does stick with, um, you know, Marvel, should they make another series? And one of the series people are kind of, you know, floating around is that they should do a Blade series. And I think that the reason why Blade is still so popular to people is because of Leslie Snipes. So that's what I'm going to say from the standpoint of someone who has not seen the film.
2: Oh, you got to get on that if you haven't seen it. Um... Yeah, and I think that the, here's a the funny thing, is Wesley Snipes was trying to get a Black Panther movie in into production, into development before Blade. I,
1: I heard um, that.
2: And, yeah. yeah, and it fell through. I would have loved to have seen that. Not that I didn't think Chad, Chadwick Boseman did great um, as Black Panther, because he did. Um, but I would have loved to have seen that a late 90s Black Panther with Wesley Snipes. That would have been, what kind of Wakanda would that have been? Oh, that would have been man. epic.
0: So,
2: Right. I know all these speculatory movies. I wish there was like a way to like
1: go back, find a way to make like
2: really make these movies. Right. Exactly. I just sometimes I wish if I had infinite budgets, I would go back and make like I would go back and first make Justice League Mortal. Oh, my God. That script was cool. And I think what they were trying to do with that um, in 2006 was pretty neat. Um, I think they need to go back and make that movie. But, uh, yeah, he's iconic, and, and for me, I think he definitely deserves to be on this list. Leo, how do you feel about uh I almost said Black Panther um, – Wesley Snipes as Blade, as an iconic casting decision in comic book movies?
0: I am so mad, Chris. I'm so pissed off. And you want to know why? Because he was not why? on my list. And I, I, I painfully regret that as you bring him up. But, oh, my God, man, this was one of the first movies um, – that I got kind of snuck into because I was very young, um, and my mom was not going to allow me to watch that movie, but my dad took me to see it, and man, Uh. wasn't it fucking awesome. (laughs) I could just remember all the awesome, like, cool little, like, I mean, the the fight choreography was actually really good um, for a movie like that in that time. I just want to say, especially for, like, kind of the more hokey comic book movies that were coming out, like, it was very serious, and it was very, it had a very progressive story, and Wesley Snipes is Blade. Like, every every time somebody talks about renewing the Blade franchise, the only thing that's burning in my head is, like, yeah, but y'all should get Wesley Snipes back. Because he is Blade, and, like, I, I really wish we could see blade possibly even interact with like the MCU characters or come back in his own universe. Uh, three was, three was trash, but it wasn't Wesley's fault. Um, man, this character, I want to see him again. I actually watched blade back in like March again. And wow, that, that movie still holds up today. I, I just, I want another, I want more of that character. I wish we could get more, and not, not a blade. Wesley Snipes blade. Like we we need more of that man. Like let's be real here. And and wow, I, I completely kind of almost forgot about the Black Panther he tried to, to try to do until you brought it back up. Um, and somebody actually made a fan poster out there. It looks like it would be such a good poster or uh, such a good Uh, movie, dude. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I would love to see that. Like, doesn't it just kind of, like, it blends that kind of Lion King red into it, but it looks like it has, like, a lot more serious themes. Like, it just... I would have loved to see that man, like and to see all the themes they incorporated with that. How like you said, how Wakanda would have looked back then. Like, imagine how the technology would have been so different, like, ah, God, that would have been such a good movie.
2: Yeah, they would have um, well they probably would have treated Vibranium completely different than the MCU. You know?
0: Completely different. Yeah, I could completely I could definitely different. see it. Um it, whereas they were using it so freely in uh the MCU, I could definitely see them kind of preserving it. And uh putting you know kind of keeping it sacred, almost kind of keeping it away from everyone uh which kind of would have set up a cool plot of like T'Challa figuring that out and just saying like no we we do need to get the resources out i you know you know what I mean like they're hiding it away instead of and 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 they were hiding it away in this black Panther, but maybe hiding it away from society, even it it could be an interesting twist either way. Uh, but yeah, Blade, Blade definitely Wesley Snipes as Blade definitely belongs on this list, man. Great choice. I'm I'm so mad I didn't think about that.
2: I don't beat yourself up too much. Um, it came to me last minute, to be honest with you. Um, but it it it's iconic for me personally. And you're talking about bringing Blade back. Okay, so we got we got Morbius, the living vampire, right? Why don't you bring yeah. Blade back to hunt him down? Yeah, um, make Blade into yeah. some kind of bad guy almost, like stalking, you know, put him as a villain, to so to speak, or whatever you want to say. Because um, a lot of times Marvel is doing these, doing these villains that are not completely bad. They just have warped views about life and what things should be. They're not completely evil. Like Thanos thinks what he's doing is right. That's more dangerous than an evil person. I get it. But like Blade... Would want would track down Morbius because he's not necessarily a good guy, so to speak. With quotation marks, you know, he just sees, you know, he kills vampires. So why not bring him back as an older Blade? Because Morbius is out now, right? At the end of the Morbius film, you have a fucking um, post-credit scene with Blade trying to track him down, and then you know, boot, the, you know, have him come back in the in the second film or whatever. I don't know, but that's I just thought of that <laughs> while you were talking about that, Leo.
1: But who owns Blade? Because Morbius is owned by Sony. I think it's Disney. Yeah, so they couldn't do that because bullshit reasons.
0: <laughs> well, then again, Sony let Marvel borrow Spider-Man. So maybe in return, they could borrow Blade. And that ah, would be a if bring positive step.
2: Yes. Why wouldn't you do that, Sony? Sony, like, here you'll take a cut. We'll all take a cut. Everyone wants to see it. Everyone's gonna freak out if there's a post-credit scene with Blade. You know that West movie's least gonna be nice hype. Wesley Snipes version. When it, as well, yeah, he comes out of the darkness with that shit-eating blade grin on his face, and he's got his sword and yeah. shit. Yeah, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna, man. we're gonna be with the sunglasses on. We're gonna go see that movie. I don't give a shit. So if. If they want to do it from a a smart marketing standpoint, yeah, I definitely think they should do it. All right, guys. um, So I think that uh, leads us into our number two pick. Um, And if you're just joining us, guys, we are slowly counting down our top ten comic book movie castings. Uh, So far on our list, we have at number ten, Heath Ledger's Joker, at number nine, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman, 89. And number eight, we have Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, Daredevil. Number seven, Tom Hiddleston uh, as Loki in the MCU. Number six is Christopher Reeves as Superman. Number five is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Number four is John Bernthal as Frank Castle. Number three, uh, we just talked about, was Wesley Snipes as Blade, and we're going to uh, come back at it with number two. Guys, just so you know, we did open up uh, the Netflix Marvel series into our list. So, if you're wondering why I just had a, a, a couple of those, that's why. But Tia, so we're coming to you for number two. Um, what do you got for us?
1: No, 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 my friend, isn't it Leo's turn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so. I'm so
2: sorry. I got. I got confused. My bad, Leo. That was not on purpose. <laughs>
1: He's doing your dog right now, Leo. It's all good. It's all right, man. It's I lost like track
2: of me. the rotation. It's okay.
0: All
2: right. Uh, I'll make it up to you tonight when we do conversation, Sunday conversation.
0: Cool. That sounded so wrong. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right, Leo. Right on, My buddy. bad, bro. Right Right on. Special treatment. Special treat. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> what do you got for us at number two for number two i am going to go with hugh jackman as wolverine um wanted to put him at number one but uh it's not my turn for number one so (laughs) i'm going to put him at number two um wow just another again we're we keep on putting these characters here because they are and that's Hugh Jackman, guys. I would not watch the greatest showman because I'm like, look, I cannot take Wolverine twirling around, singing songs. I just, I can't do it because <laughs> he is Wolverine. It's a great <laughs> movie, man. It's so, it's I a good don't movie, care, man. I'm not gonna, not gonna watch my Wolverine twirling around and singing songs, bro. It's just not gonna happen. Um, I could go watch, you know, some Christmas movie for that, but. I mean, talk again, talk about a character that has just solidly become or like has made this character him. Um what did X Men come out in two thousand? What was it, two thousand or like two thousand two? But he had been in Wolverine for so long. Yeah, he'd been Wolverine for seventeen years. And I mean, there are a couple hiccups here and there. that, that Wolverine origins was bull crap, but it wasn't really his fault. Um just a great Wolverine, you know, he's got that very edgy cigar vibe and people were worried about him in the beginning being Wolverine. They're like, Well, he's not short enough, uh, Australian or Canadian. Um but man, he he came on the screen and just dominated it with his presence. I mean, the the movies without him, there are a couple that are good, but man, he just he's got such a great presence on screen, he's he's a great Wolverine, X3, we can forget about that, but he's, he's a fantastic Wolverine, fantastic actor, and he established that character and made that character for me, and just to close it out on such a great, great movie like Logan, makes me sad to even see him go, uh, even a year after, a year later, I'm still incredibly upset that he's gone as Wolverine, because um, Logan was... Phenomenal. Uh, and I don't think you guys could disagree. I, it definitely got snuffed at the Oscars. It should have won that award of best, adap- or best Adapted Screenplay, I believe it was. Yeah, it should have got that. Come on. Um, but but <sighs> now yeah, I'm getting sad to talk about it. Yes, Hugh Jackman for Wolverine. I, I can't watch him in anything else, Chris. I'm sorry. Greatest Showman might be good, but I just I can't, man. I can't do it.
2: Man, Leo, no, I, you know, I can, he's on my list too, Um, you're right, he's another one of those iconic characters, you say Wolverine, uh, I say Hugh Jackman, you you say Superman, I say Christopher Reeves, he's right there, and you're right, we've been, you know, I'll be honest with you, man, I first saw uh, X-Men, you know, I was uh, a senior in high school, and my friends and I went to go see it, and we we didn't like it, we were like, what the fuck, what the hell is this like this these don't even look like the characters this is this is not the right feel and wolverine's short stocky and he's got an attitude problem i mean i didn't really buy into um wolverine at first it was a slow kind of feel for me a little bit but he definitely um obviously he nailed it because he's been doing it for so long and there's been so many um different writers attached to the project that he's been a part of. So you really can't fault him for some of the bad little speed bumps in his films, but you know, his dedication, his passion, um, he, you know, he, he's become that character and you kind of ignore the fact that he's supposed to be like four foot five and stocky. Um, but I do like the fact that they keep him Canadian cause that's awesome. Um, but he just, he brings another level, um, to the character and, and probably brought in a lot of actual, you know, fans to maybe comic books in general um, with his portrayal over the years. And, yeah, I was really sad with, with Logan to see him go out like that. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was tough, you know, not just saying goodbye, but you're, you're watching the character fall apart too. So you know it's his last movie as Wolverine, but we're going to make Hugh Jackman, like, just fall apart in front of you um, and make you suffer along with him. Uh, it's such a good movie. It got snubbed. You're right. Uh, Hugh Jackman um, is Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, his his performance is legendary, and um, I wish they could find a way to bring him back in. Uh, but, yes, he does definitely deserves to be on this list. Tia, how do you feel about Hugh Jackman's Wolverine?
1: Hugh Jackman is on my list as well. He is Wolverine. Um, and, you know, I was about 13, I think, when I first watched the first extra movie, and I'll admit it to you guys, because we're all friends here. I had a crush on Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, like, I just loved him, even in my, like, young teens, and then as the movies went on, I hated Wolverine Origins, as you said, that was crap, Um, and I think everyone knows that that movie was crap, but... And I think we continuously talk about Logan, and I remember one of the praises that I read was that this is finally Wolverine, as we should be seeing Wolverine. It was a fantastic film. I love films, and I think one of the reasons why I love the Nolan films is because they're really, like, uh, played with realism, and I love that about Logan. He's aging, he's falling apart, his relationship with uh, Professor X, as Professor X is dealing with what we, I think was Alzheimer's, and then with Laura, it was just this amazing film, which you guys are right, completely got snubbed at the Oscars. I, I mean, the way that the Oscars continuously fucks with our superhero movies is really just another thing on itself. I cried watching Logan. I mean, not only with him, you know, Dealing with Professor X's death, but then at the end when him and Laura are just crying with each other, I mean it was just so amazing. Hugh Jackman is just so iconic in that role that, you know, even though we love RDJ as Iron Man, are we ever going to get someone who's playing the same character for 17 years? And, you know. I would love if Hugh Jackman, I know that he really has no intentions of becoming Wolverine again, but if he could just pop up as a cameo in the next Deadpool movie just for shits and giggles, that would be amazing, because Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have this amazing friendship and on-screen chemistry with each other that I would love that, and then they could just make some joke about how the last time Wolverine saw him, he looked like shit, and now he looks even more like shit or something like that, that would be great. Um, great pick leo
2: yeah uh that is is a good pick man uh you're right it, you know that I think we can just go on and on and on and on about how great uh Hugh Jackson did in that role uh it's just it's iconic there's not really much else to say. Um Leo do you have anything else you want to say about Hugh? How, did you did you be, I'm curious did you believe him as Wolverine like when you saw the X-Men movie come out in 2000 and you saw the black leather and you saw their kind of darker tone they were doing with it Shit, no. kind of ignoring the comic book Yeah, I'm curious to see how you saw oh, that. Oh man.
0: I mean like I you know I I watched the X-Men animated series for a while and I got used yeah, to that Wolverine, my, that's Wolverine where, from the comics, yeah. and I was like, who, who is this guy? He's not even, like, no yellow suit? What? Like, you know, I was, <laughs> I was kind of pissed off. Um, I was like, bring my yellow and blue X-Men to the to the big screen. But as the movies continue on, you begin to really appreciate him in that character. Um, he really brings his own flavor to it, and then just made that his you know, now you really think of Wolverine, yeah, Hugh Jackman comes to mind just as much as the the one you do, you know, in the animated series.
2: Yeah, um, I agree. That's uh, that's where I you know I grew up with the you know the trading cards, the comic books, and and obviously the animated series. So I was expecting a little bit more of that and. I was naive enough to like mention it to my friends. I'm like, do you think they're going to use the intro music from the show in the, in the movie? I'm like, if they do, I'm going to (laughs) lose. If they do, I'm going to lose my mind. Right. they should do it. And um, they never did. So um, (laughs) yeah, it it was a hard sell at first, but right. Womp, womp, Uh, hard sell at first, but you know, it grew on me and he owned it. So yeah, definitely Uh, guys we're we're creeping up on number one. And am I right? It's, Tia's turn this time, right? You guys aren't going to shoot me. It is her <laughs> turn, right? She has no.
1: Num- has the number be one. Fair pick. To, I just wanted to be fair to Leo and not, you know, jump to over who? him, you know. Yeah, oh, Leo. Leo, for actually <laughs> caring
0: about
1: my <laughs> opinion. Oh, um, my Christ. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there uh, I yes, go. I not caring about my opinion. <laughs> All right,
2: Tia, um, I won't hold. E- you any longer, uh, give us your number one pick.
1: Oh, this is really tough because I have so many people on my list. I think I came up with, like, 20 people. I mean, there's so many. And I feel like it would be so easy to be like Chris Evans as Captain America. But I I really want to, like, talk about for a second Tom Hardy's Bane. um, because I know yeah, that yeah. within the – I know within the Christopher Nolan trilogy that The Dark Knight Rises actually gets a little bit more flack than the previous two. Um, I love Tom Hardy. Uh, The first movie I saw him in was this movie called Lawless uh, with uh, Shia LaBeouf, which is actually probably the only one of the only films that I actually like Shia in. But um, you know, Christopher. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with
2: that. It's a good film. I'm sorry. I said I am familiar with Lawless. That's a good. That's a great film.
1: Yeah. Um. And you know they brought Tom Hardy in. And the reason, first of all, Chris, I feel like you need to have this. This is. I have this whole huge book which like talks about the Dark Knight trilogy and Christopher Nolan and his casting and what went into it. Yada yada yada. So the reason why Christopher Nolan brought Tom Hardy in is because he knew he was going to cover up his face. So, he knew that Tom Hardy is such a good actor that he puts all of his emotions into his eyes, that you, it didn't matter that he covered all of his face. He didn't need any of his face to show for you to know every emotion that was on his face, um, and the fact that he was just, we first see Bane, and he's, in that plane and that whole line with, you know, um, if I take the mask off, you know, will it kill you? It'll be very painful. You look like a tough guy and he goes, for you. And as I keep watching the film, as I get older and keep watching it, you know, in that scene where that whole plane, I mean, first of all, that that stump itself was insane. And I noticed that um, when they're trying to escape the plane, And the one guy goes to like, you know, go with him and Bane turns around and goes, no, there needs to be someone in the crash. And the guy just kind of smiles and sits back down. I didn't realize the first time I watched it that Bane was saying, no, you have to die because when they search for the plane crash, at least one of us has to be a dead body there. So the guy's like, oh, okay, you're right, you're right. Um, And just everything that went into it, his physical presence just was so... remember when he was sitting there on Capitol Hill or whatever and he's tearing up the picture of Harvey Dent who was such a symbol for the whole for the whole city the whole time and his whole demeanor and everything that he uh, his you know his his whole mission in that film and what he was trying to achieve and and I love the little things in the scene where he blows up the stadium, and that young kid is singing, and he goes, oh, what a beautiful voice. That was completely ad-libbed by Tom Hardy. That was not in the script at all, and it, it's just amazing, uh, his character, and then what drove him with Talia Agul that, you know, essentially, this almost was all for her, and the, the league, and all of this. I really just think that Tom Hardy is Bane, and you know, I know that comic book-wise, he's not very, you know, he doesn't look exactly what we're used to, what Bane probably should look like. Um, It was definitely Christopher Nolan's own rendition, but I will say one thing, he looks a hell of a lot better than what they're bringing into Gotham as Bane. So, you know, if you had a problem with Tom Hardy's Bane, you definitely should check out what they're planning for the final season of Gotham because that really doesn't look like Bane but um yeah Tom Hardy is number 1 for me as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises
2: Tia, yeah, I I love your pick I love it you you're right I'm I uh, I think I love his performance as Bane in that movie more than I like Batman in that movie. To be honest with you, uh, that sewer For fight, that sewer fight was just epic.
0: Um,
2: when he was just punching the shit out of Bruce and just over and over and his cow was cracking, I I thought to myself, all right, stop, dude, shit, like like, all right, you made your point, Bane, you kicked his ass, stop it. <laughs> but I knew the I I knew the comic, I knew the back break was coming. Because I knew that's what Bane was famous for, and he broke the bat. And Bane is one of Batman's most formidable um, bad guys. He's even I I would put him on Joker, Bane. Those two, he's so smart and calculated. Um, Nightfall is a comic book you should read if you like Bane. I remember staring at that in the comic book store, and I'm looking at the bat break, and Bane is just this hulking guy. He's got Batman in his hands like it's a doll, and he's breaking his back. And I'm looking at the cover, I'm like, ah. I'm just enamored with it so much that my dad bought it for me. And I was like, oh, my God, somebody just defeated, defeated Batman and just broke him. And we got and, to see that. Know, and
1: and ahead, what's Tia. crazy is, you know, um, you know, uh, so we had, and I'm sorry to take up so much time, but, you know, in the first uh, Batman we had the Scarecrow and then, you know, Raz al Ghul in the second. You know, Batman and that, we had the Joker. And, you know, when they were coming into the third one and with Heath Ledger dying, people were like, oh, well, let's bring the Riddler in because he's kind of similar to the Joker. And Christopher Nolan's like, no, I don't want to bring in someone who could contend with Batman on a physical level. And that was Bane, man. Yep. I mean, uh, Tom Hardy bulked the fuck up for that film. It was crazy.
2: It was. It was it's a testament to his acting chops. Um I mean, he's a great method actor. And you were talking about top actors of our generation. He's you know, Daniel Day Lewis, Tom Hardy, Christian Bale. They go the extra mile for their roles. Um say what you want about, you know, method actors and, and they're difficult I don't to want work Eddie with. Brock, I'm yeah, I, I Eddie Brack. My name is Eddie Brack. I, I hate that I hate that movie so bad. I hate that movie. Anyway, sorry. But Tom Hardy nails it in this when you say what you want about we've been there, right, leo, but anyway uh I just I love it, and um you're right. they wanted to uh he wanted to bring a present uh, to Batman um someone that you know could be as equal necessarily, but also just kind of go um above and beyond and it's just brilliant the pre- like the like the the opening prelude to uh, the film on the airplane with Bane, is just intimidating and um that that face, that mask, it's just... I can go on forever. But, Leo, how do you feel about Tom Hardy as Dane?
0: You think darkness is your ally. <laughs> love that movie, dude. Right. Oh, love man, the Tom sewer fight Hardy scene is, is so like awesome. The sewer fight scene, bro, is jaw-dropping. Like, I literally...
2: No music. Like scene alone I love it. Is, no is music.
0: That that right that scene alone for me it just makes the movie mad. Like he honestly, I watched that movie for Bane. Like, let's be real here. Bat like Prince and Bane's love, awesome. But like Bane is a whole other level. Like Tom Hardy just brought his all to that movie. And actually it took me a while to see that movie because I was just kind of a little bit emotionally beat up with what happened over here in Aurora. Um, so I didn't watch that movie for a little while, but when I finally got to it, like I was like, wow, I was missing out. Um, Tom Hardy's Bane is phenomenal, uh, so many quotable moments, and I actually didn't know he ad-libbed the uh, singing part to you, so thanks for that little fact. Um, that's That's awesome. That's just a testament to how great of an actor he is and how... He brings himself to this character so well. Uh, sometimes I even forget it's Tom Hardy. I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah. dude, he is jacked in that movie, and I don't know. I don't know why he didn't get that way for Venom. Like, wh- what happened? Um,
1: but that's a that's a conversation. I, I told you days. he wasn't he wasn't there, dedicated. Don't don't yeah. spoil Venom. I'm seeing it this
0: oh, afternoon, no! guys. That's- oh no! <laughs> oh oh oh! oh. Oh, shit. I'm Why so didn't you say sorry. something, Tia? Oh, man. I'm so sorry. Listen, okay. here's what I'll say. First viewing, I, I I thought it was pretty good. So you, you might yeah, just, you, just let yeah, us know. You, you might
2: say. enjoy it the first time. Yes, I definitely would love to know what you think, Tia, uh, since, you know, we both just we – all, we all just kind of kissed his butt for being good. And I think um, – I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Venom. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to no, be that no, guy. No, no, no. Don't, don't I'm say so it. Don't say They come to me and ask me, "Hey, man. Chris, have you seen this movie?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, this movie. Blah blah blah. I haven't seen it yet." I'm like, "Why are you asking me if I've seen it when you know I'm going to talk about it?"
0: You can't ask me <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, people do so that. I don't to want to be I'm that like, guy, nah, dude. Uh, you you know, know what I do, come right? To they are Like, yeah, like, hey, what? You saw this movie? What? What did you think? And I say, and they're like, "Well, not too much. I'm going to see it." later this week and I'm like well you just asked me my opinion I'm just being honest <laughs> right and if you want
2: my short and skinny version of it it's either yes or no for me that's kind of what I do for him I go nope I don't like it but even when I do I like pieces I don't have time to tell him everything but definitely Dang, yeah, Chris know like about to Tom Hardy.
0: Story. <laughs> I like to tell a I like I don't have like, time well,
2: <laughs> I do but I don't <laughs> have time at school when you know oh, I got man. a thousand things to do every day, so um yeah, but you know leo tom Hardy right he, he just he just he just kills it number one
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, definitely, like Tom Hardy is like ninety nine percent on fucking point, um, and this movie was made by Bane. like seriously, yeah, it's so
2: quotable, like i I like I don't know, was it Leo, I was talking to you where i, I I do the Bane voice at school, and it, the kids get—they love, it. It, let's, I let's love hear it. it. I just love it. Let's hear it. No, I don't want to do it. I'm shy. Um oh, come on, Chris. But it's not that—it's not that good. It's—it's it's, it's really easy. All you got. To, but here's the thing—you know, a lot of people just cup their. A lot of people just cut their mouth, and, and they think that's it. But he, he actually has uh, some of the Tom Waits kind of an accent, uh, going on with his character. So it's I'm not just a muffledness. I'm you have to act. You have to actually, you know... Well, I actually Batman. change the picture of your voice. <laughs> <dish>. Right. Uh. <laughs> uh. Let's not stand on ceremonies here, Mr. Zane. <laughs> oh,
0: my
1: God.
2: And when he turns around, he looks at Bane. You know, I don't think Batman ever had an oh-shit moment, but I'm sure he was like, oh, fuck, you're a lot, you know... You're, you're pretty damn big there, dude. And his clinking when he's walking, his boom, boom. It's just his presence is awesome. And then, you know, Bruce giving it all he's got. And his one-liners, when he catches Bruce's fist, and he's like, peace is costing your strength. And he turns it around and Ted smacks him. And he says, P- victory has defeated you. I'm like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. Oh. This is brilliant. This is what I came here for. Kick his ass. Kick his ass. And then when he did, <laughs> yeah, I was like, you, okay, you, stop, stop, please. Please stop kicking his ass, please. You were rooting (laughs) for
1: Bane in
2: that moment. I like to see my characters damaged and brought back up. Like when Spider Man was like, come on, Spider Man, come on, Spider Man, he was lifting that shit off of him and he had that moment of weakness, but he triumphed over it. That's the measure of a man. Yeah. When you get the, or a person, excuse me, not just a man, but it's a measure of a person. You get knocked down. Are you going to get back up? How are you going to get back up? And how much of a beating can you actually take and still keep coming at you? You know, all a Captain America, I can do this all day type of shit. I love Uh-oh. that. Um, I just eat that up for breakfast. I love it. And and oh, and Batman got his comeunjin. Can I just
0: say some honorable mentions though? Chris Evans, yeah, real quick. Captain America yeah. was awesome. Um, great, uh, like this, just. Great embodiment of somebody who actually, again, brings their personality to the role. Um, that's who I want to toss out as mine. I got a couple more, but I'll let y'all. I don't want to take up too much time.
1: I'll throw out some honorable really mentions.
2: Like, I like the casting. Oh, and Ryan, of, Ryan Reynolds.
1: Yeah, Ryan Reynolds has Deadpool. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. That's what honorable I, mention.
2: Yeah, I think Paul Rudd as Ant-Man is a good casting uh, decision. It came at a great time in Marvel. Yep. He's just he's just so funny to me, and that character is like, at the end of the homecoming fight at the airport, does anybody have any orange slices? It's just <laughs> fucking funny. It's like, in the middle of this epic, epic battle, and I, cause I remember playing soccer, and I remember coming off the field, and someone would hand me a juice box and a fucking orange slice, I swear to God, and I'm like, I'm eating it, you know? <laughs> And he's he's just sarcastic and funny. He's got a kind heart. I love how he plays the character. His interactions with his daughter. And another thing about Bang guys is I named my daughter Talia, just so you know. Oh,
1: um, that's amazing. So, oh. um, yeah, right.
2: I, I was trying. Well, it, she. My wife. My my wife said no. Selena. She didn't like Selena. She didn't like Barbara. I didn't like Barbara either. I'm trying to think of these names like. In, You know, Pamela. No, I was thinking of all the names. Right. (laughs) I was trying. And then I'm like, oh, Talia is awesome. That's cool. And, like, because, you know, Bruce and them have a, you know, relationship. They have a love child or whatever. So, uh, yeah. So, with that being said, my daughter's name is Talia. So, I named her after Talia al Ghul. I sure did. And I'm not embarrassed about it. If my son was going to be named Bruce and she's like, oh, my God, you can't do that to him. I'm like, no, I'm going to name him you know, Bruce Wayne, and and if he doesn't learn to fight,
0: then that's
2: his problem because if you're carrying that name, you better be strong. But um, it's lucky it's a girl, um, so just
1: I wanna just wanted to throw that out there. I just wanted to throw out two honorable mentions just because I feel like they deserve it. Um, Jim Carrey is the Riddler. And this Fuck is, yeah. And I'm, and I'm throwing out the only girl on the list, and this could be arguable, but we don't have time for it. Uh, Anne Hathaway so Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. I loved her as yes. that character. So yeah, that's yeah, been, uh, yeah. another honorable mention. And you know what? Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's he, Catwoman was pretty dope
2: yeah. too. Oh ma'am.
0: Michelle Pfeiffer. We got yeah. it. You know like, what? Holy fuck. Yeah.
2: We missed out a lot, guys. And real quick, thirty seconds <laughs> left, but I just want to say thank you guys for we coming missed out on. All. It was another Yeah, I know. We'll come back and revisit this guys. It was great having you on. Um, Leo Tia, thank you very much. Um Guys, um, it's been great. And until next episode, say goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye, everybody.
2: <laughs> All right. Have a good one, guys.
0: Hey.